Our first story of today's show does contain adult situations. Listener discretion is advised. Matt, he came out to his parents as gay at the very, very tender age of 16. And it didn't go so well. So the moment he turned 18, like so many before him, Matt got himself a job and moved to that city by the bay, San Francisco. I felt alive. It was newfound freedom. And Eric was my boyfriend. There was a spark and there was a click when we met. And he was in recovery. He was going to go to this weekend retreat for gay men in recovery. And their significant others or who they were dating were welcome to come as well. And I knew that what happened at Gay Sober Camp stayed at Gay Sober Camp. And so this drag show was happening at the camp and Eric's sponsor said, do you want to do it? And I said, well, how, how am I going to do drag? I never once in my mind thought about doing drag or that I would make a pretty girl. And the fact that they asked me was like, well, if they're asking me, then maybe they'd see potential there. I go into this almost locker room type bathroom to get ready with these other drag queens that are are, are much more established than I am at this point. They're larger than life. And these nine other men becoming women see me just standing there and they circled around me. And one of the girls comes running over with a foundation sponge and helps me apply my base. And another girl realizes I don't have eye makeup and offers me blue eyeshadow and lines my lips for me. It felt like this induction. I had put on a new skin. The hair was a short blonde bob. It transformed who I was. I owned it. I loved it. What's better than a blonde-haired, blue-eyed boy than a blonde-haired, blue-eyed girl? In drag, it matters who you are as a drag queen. Because if you're going to be a drag queen, you've got to have a name. Otherwise, how are you introduced on stage? And that was the day that Rhoda Few made her debut. R-H-O-D-A-F-U-E. I mouthed the words and I put on jazz hands, slow quarter turns and a soft gaze with my chin cocked to the side, looking in the distance. And then I realized I had ran out of material as far as dance moves. And so, when in doubt, promote sex. It always wins. It was only later after the show that I found out that I had literally a 70-something-year-old man that was legally blind and had no idea what was being done to him at the time. And so when they finished, they brought all of us back out, and we all stood there holding hands and... And when they announced the winner, and it wasn't my name, I was a little devastated. I walked away with this new identity. I truly felt that she had something to offer. And I moved forward with that. Here I met this group of people that accepted me, and I found joy in that. I also learned a term during this time that was being called a booger. 
you're a booger when you first start out in drag because you're kind of sloppy. You're not really that sure of yourself in high heels. Your makeup doesn't look right. And you usually forget your lines. I started learning that, you know, cover girl doesn't cover boy. And so I went to Mac and got color tested for pro foundation. So I had stepped up my game a little bit. It was expensive to be a girl, that was for sure. I spent about $400 on makeup alone, wigs for another couple hundred dollars, and Rhoda kind of started taking over. When I went to a mall, it was no longer to shop for Matt, it was to shop for Rhoda. And if I saw something in the window, I would say out loud to whoever I was with, oh, Rhoda would really like that. I even designated the entire closet in my bedroom to Rhoda, and she was very organized. All of her hair was on foam heads up on the top shelf, and all of her outfits were hung neatly and usually pressed. There was a, a complete separation between Matt Denning and Miss Rotafew, and I really started to want to have Rhoda more because Rhoda was more fun. Rhoda went out every night of the week. She could drink like there was no tomorrow and still be standing. She would do crazy things. The mental transition into Rhoda started the second that I opened up my makeup case because Matt didn't want to put on makeup, but Rhoda, that was her ritual. And the first brush stroke of foundation really brought her out. You would uh, get your bra on, put in your falsies. My breast actually consisted of pantyhose that had three cups of rock salt in each one and then knotted off and tied. And so I would place these rock salt bags basically in my bra to give me my cleavage. Your hips are industrial foam that you shave with a turkey knife, shape them to your own legs, and then put them on under a pair of dance tights, and then three more pairs of pantyhose over those dance tights so that it was a nice, smooth, consistent line. If you have that many pairs of tights on, you don't need to tuck. It kind of just tucks itself. And so once all that was done, it was time to drink because you tried to be ready 30 minutes before the show would start. But you didn't want to go out into the audience because you would ruin the illusion right away. So the bartenders would bring us drinks in the back and I would get three Jaeger bombers, two shots of vodka and a beer and proceed to take all of the shots in a row. That's how Rhoda did it and all of her friends. So whatever, the drunker I got, obviously the better I felt I was at it. And so I really use liquid courage on a nightly basis as Rhoda. A big part of performing is not just the singing. She'd go work the crowd because if you can sacrifice one person, making them feel really uncomfortable, everybody else loves that. And so you play up that. If I found out there was a straight guy out there or somebody that had never been to drag, that was fun. That was a lot of fun to stand up on somebody's table and stick their head under your dress or take one of your fake breasts out and throw it across the room and hit somebody in the head that's not paying attention. It didn't matter because the next day it was all washed away. There was no uh, repercussions as Rhoda. I still had to go to my day job. And even though I was dressed as Matt, I was thinking as Rhoda 24-7. What numbers am I going to do? Oh, you know, I need to fix that hole in, in one of my dresses. I kind of started getting sloppy as far as separating Rhoda from Matt. And it was really important for Matt to still exist because Matt funded Rhoda. I went to work one time and somebody said, hey, there's something on your face. And I went to the bathroom only to discover that I had forgotten to remove the makeup on my face from my chin down.
Rhoda, you know, was living life large, but it was really starting to take a toll on Matt to the point where I was hung over every morning for work and really kind of stopped caring. I mean, Rhoda definitely wanted to be full time. I mean, I would leave work early so I could go home and start getting ready for later. I mean, who starts getting ready at three o'clock in the afternoon for a nine o'clock event? But Rhoda did. She'd like to take a bath and relax and get ready and take her time. And sometimes it took her five hours to get ready. It just depended on how she felt that day. As this progressed, I started to hemorrhage money. And so I got this grand idea to go to a check cashing place. Like you walk in and you write this check and they give you money instantly with no questions asked. And you just have to pay it back the next time you get paid. I started floating check loans around. I'd borrow from one to pay the other. And I was doing it completely for Rhoda, whether it was outfits or hair or just alcohol. And then it started to catch up on me. One night, I was out, and that's the first time I ever had blacked out. Apparently, I drunk two bottles of Chardonnay by myself, had fallen off my stool onto the floor, was combative with the waiter, and insulted a few people, and I was asked to leave. And I was told that I proceeded to skip up and down the street singing I Had the Time of My Life. So I was hearing all of this for the first time and felt horribly embarrassed, my friend Jessica, that was there that night. Jessica told me that she didn't think she could be my friend anymore. And that was a moment in my life where I had to do a reality check. That was it. The final step was to recognize that Rhoda got me to that spot, and so Rhoda had to go. And I really tried to think about, well, what was the best way to do this? Like. Do I just throw all this stuff in the trash? Do I go out into some field very dramatically and light her on fire? I mean, this is my real life. And so I asked myself solely and completely as Matt, how did I want to handle Rhoda? And I decided that the best way was with a donation. So I sorted Rhoda and boxed her things up. And I had met this young man that was interested in drag and he was definitely at the booger level. So. I told him, I said, you know, these things are very special to me and they took me somewhere in my life that at one time was positive and turned negative. And I just want you to always remember that no matter who you're dressed as, your drag persona, that you're still you. So I, I gave him all of those things, but I kept one thing. I had this tiny little tiara, a tiara for a small chihuahua. I would just stick this in the front of my wig. And so I put it in its own box and it's almost like her urn. And I don't think that it will ever come out of the box because I don't need Rhoda. And I think it's pretty obvious that Rhoda always needed me. And so there must be something pretty damn good about Matt. So why not make him full time? Today, Matt sports the most luscious, rich beard you will ever see, a beard snapper. Rhoda would not approve. Thank you so much, brother, for sharing your story on The Snap, and it was produced by none other than our own Rita Daniels. You are listening to Snap Judgment, and to hear more stories, visit snapjudgment.org.